0: lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the OutSports Podcast Network, and we have a uh, a fun and interesting one in store for you today. Of course, Journo January continues with our guest today, one Harley R. Paget. Uh, the co-host of Grit and Glitter, uh, as well as a contributor with Pro Wrestling Torch, and someone who has dedicated a good portion of their time in wrestling media to covering uh, wrestling specifically from women and other uh, marginalized genders as well. So we get into a lot of Grit and Glitter talk, a lot, a little bit of a Pro Wrestling Torch talk, and just you know a bit about. Harley's uh, journey into wrestling media and and what he has really gotten out of that experience. We also delve a little bit into some recent gender exploration uh, with 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 Harley as well, and so much more here on the show today. Um, before we get to the interview, though, it's obviously been a, a fairly eventful week in the world of pro wrestling. Um, really for some of the the very worst reasons, obviously, you know. As I'm sitting here recording this, it's been roughly a little over, over 24 hours since the untimely and tragic passing of Jay Briscoe. Um, plus, you know, we had the the, the news with Amari Miller um, this week as well, and you know, continuing to uh, pour out love for Kevin Nash over what he and his family have experienced in recent months as well. And it's just, these things are, are never easy, obviously. Um, But Jay has really taken precedent in recent days, just because of, you know, the circumstances of his, of his death and what he meant to so many people in the pro wrestling world, both wrestlers and fans, promoters, and pretty much anybody that has any, connection to pro wrestling has very have very strong feelings about about Jay Briscoe myself included you know Um, and obviously this is kind of brought back up the whole ordeal with his past homophobic comments Um, and I I, I plan to explore this a bit further in, in written form. At some point, whether that's this week or next week, um, but I just want to take a small moment here to to kind of talk about this for myself because I, I am a Jay Briscoe fan and for a number of years um, I had to kind of rectify that with, with what he said and it left a, a lot of sour taste in my mouth and you know obviously he's he put in so much work both publicly and privately to um, grow and learn and improve as, as a as a person in terms of how he viewed and related to the lgbtq community to our community and so much so that you know a number of um queer wrestlers and and queer people in the wrestling industry as well as queer fans you know noticed it and gave jay his due it's really something we don't see in pro wrestling or the wider like combat sports arena honestly to see people be called out on their bullshit and then recognize that what they said was extremely hateful and denigrating to an entire community and, and actively want to learn and be better, you know, um, for himself, for his family, for the people around him, for the people that he works with in that way. You know, we've seen comments from Enrique Abani. We've seen comments from Effie. We've seen comments from uh, all, so many people that are either part of our community or are very close allies of our community point to the work that Jay put in there and, and we'll put Warner brothers discovery and all the stuff there aside. Like, I don't want to get into like the fact that the, they didn't have the chance to really um, celebrate him on dynamite this week. But um, all of the work that Jay Briscoe put in to make good with our community should be celebrated, and should be recognized. It should. It definitely should. I agree with a lot of people that have been voicing that thought in the days since. But at the same time, just because I chose to forgive Jay Briscoe does not mean that other people within this community that still feel hurt that still internalize that hateful language and the you know the incite incitement to violence that was that was in those comments as well against our community every single individual has to decide for themselves whether they want to forgive or not this isn't a question about cancel culture this isn't a question about um um you know this idea of not of of not being able to come back from these sort of things um but rather and this is and i'm mainly i'm mainly responding to this because i've heard so many other people in the wrestling media sphere kind of talk about like well why haven't why haven't uh why hasn't everyone <laughs> um Forgiven Jay Briscoe and really kind of going in on on um, certain on people that that haven't that don't recognize that and throwing the same um, cancel culture motif arguments that we've seen um, for years at this point. Let me tell you why queer people may not be the quickest to forgive that kind of language. Honestly. Um, look at what we are currently dealing with right now in terms of how our community is treated by the general public. It's very much in line with what Jay tweeted a, a number of years ago at this point. And look, as I've said previously, I am proud of the growth that Jay showed and how he learned and changed from those attitudes. But the fact is those attitudes still exist. And for people that revered Jay Briscoe at the time to see some, someone that they hold so high spew that stuff, it can leave an impact. It can leave a scar um, that doesn't go away for a very, very long time. It, it doesn't, uh, especially considering that in Sometimes just in our day-to-day life, we had that scar opened up over and over and over again by so many other people. I mean, for fuck's sake, trans identities are threatening to splinter the United Kingdom right now because of how people are continuing to, demonize and ostracize and straight up call for the eradication of trans and LGBTQ, the greater LGBTQ community, not from society, but from this planet. Okay. There is a lot of like, there's a lot of hypervigilance in our community. There is a lot of um, increased uh, defensive self in our community. We have to do so much just to feel comfortable in spaces where most people do not even have to take a second thought about whether or not they're safe in that in in that room or that area or that sidewalk or something okay so that is why i do not begrudge anybody that hasn't forgiven jay for for what he said and i'm not saying this to like come across as like angry or or anything like that. I think I'm just very emotionally raw because of the moment, because, you know, I haven't tweeted about this. I haven't spoken to anybody really about this in any depth. Um, I've, I've kind of just held this all in for the past 24, 36 hours, however long it's been at this point. Um, since I, since I learned like the rest of the world about Jay passing, um, But I just want all of y'all out there that do not have the lived experience of queer people to understand the mindset that queer people are coming to with this. And it's not to say that they don't recognize the growth of Jay Briscoe. But it is to say that trauma is real. And these things don't just go away overnight. They don't go away because the person got better. You know, it is a long and lengthy process. And it is an individual process for every single person out there. All right. Like I see, I saw people that are still like, like struggling with what he said Um, talk about how much they love Jay at the same time, you know, there's no lack of love for Jay. I just want people that are talking about this and, and continually pointing to, to fans, whether they be from our community or, or allies of our community that, that, haven't gotten over that hump to just take a second, look at the perspective of those people and understand that, um, you know, whenever you were reminded on a daily basis of how people want you dead, sometimes those words linger longer and they cut deeper. All right. And I don't mean to... I don't want this to dominate the entire conversation around Jay Briscoe on this show because obviously Jay Briscoe was amazing, but I just... I had... I had had to let that out. And, um, yeah. Rest in peace, Jay Briscoe. Um, And... Well, um, please enjoy my uh, conversation with Harley R. Paget. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week one of the co-hosts of the Grit and Glitter podcast, as well as someone who's uh, done some work with the Pro Wrestling Torch and has been a guest on this show not too long ago, honestly. Uh, please welcome back, Harley R. Paget. How are you doing?
1: Hello, it's me. Welcome back to me, uh, kicking off, well not kicking off, but into the year 2023.
0: Yes, yes, an already eventful year uh in in many different ways for pro wrestling but that's not what we're here to talk about per se today we're here to to talk about you because like we're in the midst of journal january here and you know, you've become a uh a, i would say a, a pretty uh interesting and um forward thinking voice along with the rest of your compatriots there at grit and glitter in terms of how to to cover pro wrestling and topics to cover within pro wrestling um, there. And I'm excited to kind of talk with you a little bit about your journey in in wrestling media and just pick your brain a little bit since you pick so many others' brains from time to time.
1: Oh, and I'm excited to not have to do any editing or any post-production when this is done. I get to just chat and then when we're done, we hit stop and I go walk away and I make dinner and you do all the work
0: exactly i'm doing everything here (laughs) that's that's another joy i think that i that that is kind of a a secondary thing out of these interviews is that like you know the people that i talk to especially for like the people in media like once the interview wraps that you're conducting like there's so much like back-end work that goes into these things too and it's just it just weighs on you i know it weighs on me
1: oh i go through like if maybe not for like a weekly episode if, the, if it's like a t- quote-unquote typical episode where it's just me and M chatting about what happened at uh, the pay-per-view this weekend or something like that I'm, I might do a little bit less work but if we're doing an interview with like a bigger name somebody that I'm really excited about I want I want the finished product to sound as good as possible I want it to stand that with Grin Glitter our podcast like we go into every episode wanting it to stand the test of time, wanting this to be listenable years from now. Whereas so much wrestling podcasting is ephemeral, right? It's like, oh, we're talking about what happened on Dynamite and Raw this week, and we don't expect anybody's going to listen to this four days from now. It's old news by then. But we really strive to make our episodes interesting enough and like time capsule enough you can go back three years from now and listen to it, and it still sounds interesting. So when I interview, a wrestler or a referee or whomever, I get obsessive in the editing stage. Like I'm going through five seconds at a time, we listening and I'm trying to cut out any little silences, any ums, any uhs, anything like that to make them sound as coherent and smart and wonderful as possible so that they sound the best that they can. I'm like, that's the least I can do since, you know, they're giving us this time out of their schedule.
0: No, exactly. and i I could say, knowing that process myself, I could definitely appreciate the work that goes into that. Um, and also, I feel like especially like how y'all pattern in your interviews and and the idea of producing um, episodes that do kind of like stand the test of just the weekly pro wrestling grind. Um, that can be revisited is one of the reasons why i'm drawn to grit and glitter personally and i think why a lot of other people are too um at this point so yeah i'm right there with you um and i do want to talk to you a little bit more about grit and glitter but um i always feel like it's good to start kind of at the at the beginning with with these type of episodes especially with new people that are solo to the show here, like yourself. So talk to me a bit about where your love of pro wrestling comes from. Like, where did that seed get planted for you?
1: Right, because you see these tweets go around sometimes from accounts where they're like, what was the first wrestling show you attended? What was the main event of the first episode of Raw that you ever watched? Uh, Who's your first favorite wrestler? And I'm like, I don't know. I've been watching this stuff since I was like two. Since I was like three years old, like I could not, my first, okay, first favorite wrestler, Red Hart, because born and raised in Canada in the nineties, you know, like I was 11 when he was doing the anti-American gimmick. And like all of Canada was worshiping at his feet at that time. So I can answer that question. And I remember like thinking Adam Baum was really hunky when I was younger, something about the long hair. I was just like, wow, that guy looks so cool. But beyond that, it's like, yeah, I've been watching since I was two or three because of my dad, my aunt, no, sorry, my great aunt took my dad to wrestling shows here in Toronto at Maple Leaf Gardens when he was like a kid or a teen. And he got hooked on Maple Leaf Wrestling, which was the big promotion in Toronto at the time before WWF bought them out. And so he tells me about going to shows and seeing the original Sheik and guys like that. So he just watched wrestling pretty much his entire life, and as a result, he was in the house on when I was on. I remember watching, you know, I wouldn't like Raw started when I was eight, so I wasn't watching Raw when I was like five or six, but I was definitely watching like Superstars. I have distinct memories of being like ten years old, and the WWF Superstars one-hour recap show would air at noon on Saturdays, so I would take like my my Saturday morning bath around like 30, 10 a.m. Then I'd watch like uh, like Doug or Mursupalami Mar- or Ghost Rider, something like that, and then into wrestling. And then once wrestling finished, out the doors and running around the neighborhood with my friends. But yeah, I can't tell you the first house show that I went to or the first merchandise that I wore, any of those things, because it's just been part of me my entire life and it's never I I didn't have any spells either in my teens or 20s even when I was like ashamed to be a wrestling fan and like nobody outside my dad knew that I watched wrestling I still stuck through it the entire time it's been in my DNA from day one
0: that's really interesting actually because I feel like so many people even that have such a, a fervent passion for it do have those like year to two year at least like blocks of their life where they just kind of tuned out from from pro wrestling as a whole like i know for myself that was like around like 2003 to 2005 ish personally um but no that's really interesting i think you might be one of the the first people that i've kind of spoken to that did not have or mentioned that they did not have a a break Point there for a little while
1: so it's in canada it was always wwf wwe like nitro only started touring up here in the late 90s like right like their last two years of existence i don't think wcw aired that prominently whereas wwf raw smackdown was on like the main sports channel here tsn the sports network so it's always been a very wwf town up here so i was in with them from day one from a kid and stuck with them until, I don't know, maybe 2015-ish, whatever the authority era was. That era where every single episode of Raw opened with a 25 minute Triple H, Stephanie McMahon promo, that was what finally killed it off for me. Like that was when I was like, I can't do this anymore. And luckily for me, I had found Ring of Honor a couple years earlier, again, by chance. So in Toronto, we get the Fox 29 feed from Buffalo, New York. And they would have the one hour ROH television airing Sunday nights at 11 p.m. And I think I just found it by chance one night when I was awake at 11 p.m., looking for Seinfeld reruns and finding, oh, hey, here's wrestling. And wait a minute. I think this is the company where CM Punk and Dane O'Brien came from. So I started watching ROH. And so luckily for me, when I lost interest in WWF finally, at like, age 27 or something like that. I already had something else to like keep that wrestling going.
0: No, I mean it's good to have something that you can really latch on to, especially as one product starts to really not serve your needs in terms of what you what you want as a as a viewer. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Ring of Honor because obviously it has through lines to you like going to to the torch. But before we get there, I have to ask, uh, as, uh, you know, someone who was born and raised in, in Canada and was a very strong pro wrestling fan during those Bret Hart years, the the whether it be previous to the anti-American stuff in 97 or, or in that era as well, like, we always hear in the States about how, like, Bret Hart is viewed in Canada as, like, this Canadian hero. And I'm just curious to ask you, like, how true what is that like for was that for yourself or for like the people around you like how how what was the extent of that
1: so it's still wrestling right like I still I still I'd imagine if I asked everybody at my work my day job like do you know who Bret Hart is 99% of them are going to say no 99% 99% of them aren't going to know who Brock Lesnar is or who Roman Reigns is or Chris Jericho is probably right. It's, it's wrestling. Like nobody, nobody's heard of these people, <laughs> yeah. but within the, the world of wrestling, finding a Canadian who doesn't like adore Bret Hart or who like, who wasn't alive in the nineties and doesn't adore Bret Hart. I feel like that would be pretty hard. Like the arenas at that time when he showed up, it was, un- it was unheard of. It was like insane, insane the reaction that he got, seeing this homegrown guy, seeing the perpetual, like as great as he is, like an underdog because he was never Vince's number one. He was always like, oh, I prefer Sean. I prefer Hogan. I prefer whatever. I guess I'll settle for Brett if I have to in these like brief windows, that sort of thing. But yeah, we drove to like a flea market, like an hour and a half to flea market in maybe ninety-eight or something because he was doing an autograph signing and we waited in line for like an hour and a half to meet him and I got his autograph wow. photo. And I also have an autograph photo of Owen after he came to a local video store near my house when I was like 12 or something maybe. Yeah. And his his, his King of Hearts face. So I might have even been 10, but I met two of them, which is pretty cool.
0: That's pretty dope, honestly. Well obviously there's a there's a fandom there for yourself you find Ring of Honor at what point do you start kind of looking at the wrestling media landscape as something that you want to participate in?
1: So I'm a wrestling fan my entire life and when I'm a kid that's cool all my friends are into wrestling all my friends and I you know my my Pakistani friend, my friend from Estonia, my Jewish friend, my black friend, we all love wrestling and Pokemon and Looney Tunes and Weird Al, common interests. And that's in high school where uh, things fall off and all of a sudden I'm the only person who watches wrestling. And then in my, my, my 20s, I still keep it to myself because of all the stereotypes associated with pro wrestling by that time. I have my head... If I tell somebody that I like wrestling, they're gonna think like I'm a redneck, I'm a dummy, I'm whatever, <laughs> I don't wanna have that conversation. So I just keep it to myself. So I, it's this thing that I'm obsessed with. I watch hours and hours of wrestling every week. I read the Pro Wrestling Torch, I read these other websites, like getting all the scoops. I have fantasy book in my head, 24 hours a day, but where's this storyline going? What are they gonna do with this storyline? The only person I have to talk about it with is my father. I don't know what any other people in my life who like wrestling, who I can talk about this with. So the Pro Wrestling Torch, especially, which again, I think was from my father. I don't remember when I started reading the torch, but I do know that my dad, I think, has a couple old print torch fanzines from back in the day, like when Wade Keller was starting out in a box in the basement somewhere. So my dad had been a torch reader before me and he really liked liked Wade and respected his opinions. He'd like to read his raw recaps and see what he thought about different angles and stuff. So I wanna say I started reading The Torch through my dad and for years and years, it was my only lifeline. I, I wasn't on Twitter. I wasn't on social media at this point. I had nobody who I knew who watched wrestling. So it was my only connection to like the wrestling landscape and the wrestling community for so long. And I never really thought that I would be a part of it. But one day, by chance, I see Wade Keller post saying that they're looking for somebody who wants to do weekly written reports covering ROH toleration. And I thought, okay, why not? You know, I have a Bachelor of Arts in English, I think I can write. I've been watching ROH for like seven years now, I got the free time. So I sent him an email and he ended up joining the team as a writer doing weekly vendor reports for the torch. And within like two weeks, when we joined the team, he says, Oh, by the way, we're starting a weekly NXT podcast. Would you want to be a part of that? It's going to be a roundtable podcast talking about NXT. And I thought, no, 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 because I had a speech impediment when I was a kid. I couldn't pronounce hard R's, which really sucks with my name. Like whenever, my mom would try to introduce me to people. They'd be like, "Oh, what's your name?" And I'd be like, "Holly," and I hated that. So I would just clam up and not say anything. And I kept that with me all of like my teenage years. Especially, I was just racked with like crippling self-esteem issues. I got over the speech impediment as a kid, but I had the usual like teenage self-esteem issues. You know, like I'm too skinny. My nose is too big. Why? Why don't any girls like me? Things like this, and. I would be nominated for leadership camp by teachers who saw something in me and thought like I'd be a good a good leader. I have these skills in me. And I always declined. I always said, no, I just want to hide in the back of crowds. I want to be in the back of groups. I don't want to be visible. I don't want people to look at me. So I never thought about like doing podcasts or anything like that, like putting myself out there and being like a voice on a thing. It was never anything I aspired to at all.
0: That's really interesting to to hear honestly because like yeah it is hard really really hard to to put yourself out there in that way especially having like that sort of stuff in in your past and already having like this idea of yourself kind of formed in that way like I know I've gone through similar challenges still do go through similar challenges at times with with that in terms of whether I feel like I am like the best to do this, or like why do some people have the faith in me to be able to do this certain thing versus like what I internally feel about myself? And you know, I think it's it's important to to challenge those those notions for sure, um, obviously for for growth and for like trying new things and that sort of thing, but it doesn't make it any less of a challenge at all.
1: Yes, so he he asks me if I want to join this like roundtable podcast talking about NXT, and I think that was I think that was the difference maker, right? It's it's like oh, so roundtable. There's like four of us. One week will be three of us. Next week could be a different three of us. All you have to do is log on to Skype and just chat about the one hour NXT episode we just watched. I can do that. Like that's whatever, you know. I can I can talk about wrestling for an hour. And maybe this could be fun because like I said, I've never had anybody to talk about wrestling with. I haven't had anybody to talk with rest about like wrestling with since I was 10. And I'm like in my late 20s now. So okay, let's give that a shot. And it turns out pretty okay. And then like within a month, he's like, Okay, now do you want to host your own weekly ring of honor podcast? And I was like, like okay, I guess. (laughs) I guess (laughs) I'll give it a shot. Uh, Um, I don't. Do I want to? No. Will I? Will I? Okay, I guess. Um, but the nice thing again is like Wade has always been just so hands-off and just like free reign. He's like, okay, cool. Yeah. If you want to host your own weekly like Ring of Honor podcast, that's it. Just like, just do it. Send us a show or upload it. No restrictions, no like guidelines about this, what we're looking for. This is like this is what uh, we're, we're aiming for. You Let me choose my own co-host, and I knew that the wrestling land, the wrestling podcast, wrestling media landscape is dominated by cis straight white men. So right away, I was like, okay, so I'm going to actively try to find a female co-host to come on and do this with, because that's the least that I can do to try to amplify some other voices in the mix.
0: No, and I will say you found a, a really. Awesome one in the form of of M Fear. Um, I'm curious to ask, like, how you found M to be your co-host?
1: Again, pure dumb luck. All of this, the key, my, my number one key to success, folks, pure dumb luck. I had a huge
0: key for a lot of people.
1: I had I started the the ROH podcast, which we called Talking Honor. I did about two months of episodes with one woman, and then she ended up dropping out just saying like, I've got other things on the go, I can't commit to this, I, I, I don't wanna prioritize this. There's other things I'd rather prioritize, this, so that's fine. And then I just found M tweeting about having attended the recent set of ROH TV tapings in Pittsburgh. And so I sent a DM to this random person that I'd never met before and said, would you wanna to come to the show and just talk about what it was like being at the live, the live show? That, that, that sounds fun and we clicked instantly like honestly like in that we did one episode just it was her first time ever doing a podcast I don't been doing it two months and after one episode we I was like do you want to be my permanent co-host because that was just like effortless and then as we had to know each other it's like oh hey we're born like a month apart like I'm February 1985 you're March 1985 you're a librarian I spent my entire life wanting to be a librarian and then at the last minute getting an English degree instead of a library sciences degree. We have similar tastes in music. We both like are really passionate about the same types of wrestling. We have like similar sense of humor. It's like, this is perfect. Like this is like, and now it's how five years later and and, the ROH podcast, we retired because we got tired of ROH. We decided to start a podcast focusing on women's wrestling instead, but none of that would happen. Like, none of that lineage would have occurred. I wouldn't be here talking to you today if I hadn't met M. am sure if I'd found, like, some any other person, honestly, to be my co-host at the time, I don't think it would have lasted the test of time. I don't think we would have created everything that we've created now because it just – I don't have – I haven't found that synergy with anybody else in wrestling. I
0: mean, it's always good to find – a partner that just clicks like that instantly like I feel like that's always the the story that you hear with with any duo or a group um whether it be like it, really in any form of like media broadcast like you have to have that that relationship there and, and I will say that it's it's awesome that that y'all did click <laughs> so easily and that you did happen upon her tweets um and she's still out there <laughs> tweeting. A lot about what is going on uh with what she's saying out there um you mentioned like the show you know kind of running its course and y'all transitioning away from talking about ring of honor to focusing more on women's pro wrestling and kind of the star of of grit and glitter there like i've heard on previous episodes of, of your show like talking about why that transition happened and kind of just being uninterested in what ring of honor was presenting after after some time like Knowing how much both you and him really focus in on women's wrestling in particular, and now the show obviously covering women and also other marginalized genders as well, like did that first kind of like pitfall of Ring of Honor's women's division kind of play into that decision at all to, to transition away from Ring of Honor specific?
1: Yeah, for those who weren't there, 2019 Ring of Honor was abysmal. Just like, just, un, just frustrating on every aspect. Remember, this is just after AEW started. So they started the year with really losing the Elite and Best Friends and SCU and uh, Brandy and Britt Baker, a lot of people at the same time, which is fine. They, they got some other people that brought them in, but there were a lot of just, just like people getting low blowed like five times on one episode, like referees looking dumb. And the women's division, we just that was that was a constant focus point for us, much like it is currently with AEW. We'd watch every week and we'd say, why are we only why are we getting so few women's matches? Why are they being treated exactly the same way each week? Why aren't they being treated like with more respect? Why don't they see that they could be doing more? Why don't they embrace intergender wrestling? What is the problem with these sort of things? And so we ended up dropping our wage even before the whole fiasco with them firing kelly klein while she was a women's champion and complaining about concussion protocols and all that we had dropped it a couple of months before then because we were just like we're just not having fun anymore talking about this and why we why we devote an hour hour and a half each week to podcasting about something that we're not enjoying when we rather talk about something that we do enjoy And we briefly thought about doing a weekly beyond wrestling podcast or a weekly startup podcast, because we are really into those two at the moment. We settled on just like women's wrestling in general, because we also realized like it's so much more freeing for us to be able to just talk about not one specific promotion. We can talk about any promotion we want that week. That's making us happy. We can do interviews with, Women and non-binary people, people of all marginalized genders and all capacities as well. We can interview wrestlers. We can interview people who make gear. We can interview people who design merch. We can interview referees and commentators and promoters and all these different people who are doing really cool things in wrestling. That freedom is just was just so intoxicating and inviting, right? Being, uh, not being tied down to. We're talking about this one hour. Weekly TV show each week. It's like this week can be whatever the hell we want it to be.
0: No, I, it's definitely freeing. I could definitely understand that, especially considering like how how easy it is to kind of get locked in whenever you're in like that weekly sort of like show review style of of a of a of a presentation because like that just I could. I'm just I'm trying to imagine it for myself now. If I had to talk about the exact same show every week, like I don't know how long I could honestly keep that interesting for myself. And if and if you can't keep that interesting for yourself, how can you really convey any kind of like interesting point about it to the people that are listening? You know?
1: Yeah, we didn't and because of our experience with ROH, we didn't want to get locked into we're going to do this new podcast talking about this other promotion. And then two months later, we're just not having fun with it anymore. All of a sudden they've done like a new angle or they've brought in somebody new that we don't like, and they're being pushed to the top of the card. And now, Oh God, now we have to talk about this every week. Like, no, like we, when we started Grit and glitter, we thought we're going to be really thorough and we're going to talk about all of like the top women's wrestling stories and all the different promotions. And within two months, we're like, you know what? I don't want to talk about WWE because it's like, I don't like what they're doing on Raw right now. I don't like what they're doing on SmackDown. I don't think they're really serious about this women's division stuff right now. And so we had the luxury of deciding we're not going to do that. Let's focus more on these other things. It was a different, it was arguably a different show when it started because we were really focused on the big companies there. And I wasn't watching much independent wrestling at all, really. It was only maybe a year in that all of a sudden, We're focusing largely on independent wrestling and queer pro wrestling and smaller American indies and things like that in a way that I hadn't anticipated when we started because I wasn't plugged into that stuff. But Grit and Glitter has really been that avenue to plug me in and make me more, more aware of these different things and help me find wrestling that excites me in a way that the big companies usually aren't.
0: No, I mean that, that's one of the specialties about about the independence is that like there's so many different styles of presentation and so many different people, you know, looking in different regions, different cities, that you can. It's very easy, I feel like, to find at least like one or two people or or promotions that you can really feel a connection to, that can keep that that fire kind of going a bit. So like I completely understand that aspect of it. Was there any particular independent that really kind of grabbed you during that phase of like, whenever y'all started to transition away from like, just talking about like, you know, the women's divisions and major companies and kind of refocusing on the wider scope of pro wrestling?
1: At first I'd say no, because I wasn't watching any one promotion consistently. I was more just like jumping around and watching following wrestlers or, or hearing about a match and seeking out a match, things like that. Even today, I'm more about that. Like I tend to follow wrestlers more than I follow specific promotions. The only, there's like maybe three promotions now where I watch like every single show from them. And that's enjoy wrestling, PW vibe and women's wrestling army. Those are the only three where I like, don't miss a show. There are other promotions i really like and respect And I'll try to check in as much as I can, but I don't go to my way to make sure that I don't miss them.
0: I mean, those are three pretty solid choices, honestly. (laughs) So it makes sense, Uh, especially considering like some of the, some of the talents that they do feature there. Like you talk about following specific wrestlers, like was there any specific wrestler that, that kind of caught your eye during that transition as well, that, that kind of stood the test of time for you? Hmm.
1: See, when we started with glitter, I was all about stardom. And then just like with ROH, I, like within a year, I was like, I soured on stardom and I kind of fell off with them too. For some, not for, not for the same reasons, but just for the reason of like, here's three wrestlers that I love. And I think they're the best in the world and, Oh, okay. They're never going to be main eventers here. And they're never going to get titles here. And we're going to focus on these other people instead that I'm bored by. So <laughs> it's tough. Um, yeah the early changes so often and and i can't recall when i got into certain wrestlers you know i don't i can't tell you when i start when i first discovered like my favorite wrestlers now i don't remember their first matches or anything it's a hard question for me
0: Hmm. well i mean who 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 is that for you now like who are your favorites now
1: now it's so like yeah, everybody on the joy roster. It's Ida Surreal, it's Erica Lee, it's Ziggy Hayam, it's uh, I love Hyan. She doesn't come up with this area as much or like tra- tra- traverse on the same shows as those people, but she's great. I love the Outfielders and Kings of the District. Um, I feel like these are obvious, <laughs> obvious safe <laughs> safe picks. Who doesn't love I mean, all but, these but people, right?
0: But that's the thing; It's like there's a reason why they they come to mind, and they are like kind of people that a, that a lot of fans have kind of really latched onto. Yeah. And, and because okay, I, they I, do exciting stuff.
1: I got an answer to your previous question. The first, Allison K.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: AK, I remember. I think I knew her briefly from Impact but it was when we were starting around the Grid and glitter era that she really landed on my radar more so and she came up here i met her twice at uh, independent shows here in toronto and so she was probably like my first real like independent wrestling love where i was like going out of my way to watch ind- an indie show if i knew that she was on it
0: okay. no, i mean she is outstanding and has definitely continued to to show what she's capable of in the years since. Like I can't argue with that with that pick, honestly. Not that this is a chance to argue who our who our favorites should be or anything like that. But no, Alice is yes. awesome. My
1: favorites are Tessa Blanchard, Rhonda Rousey. Oh,
0: oh Jesus. Um. <laughs> All right. Well we're just gonna end the show here. Um uh, no no God oh God help us. I'm so glad that there's so many other people that we can lift up. In the pro wrestling world. Alright, Jens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, We'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar. The Progress Pride flag, designed by Daniel Quasar, is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song from the Six 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 off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at Sarah in the Um Check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com IWTVLGBT. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT Ringpod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, The Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Marowin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over on twitch.tv Dead Sun Entertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So, once again, check that out every Monday, eight PM Eastern, five PM Pacific, over at Twitch TV slash Dead Sun Entertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. So, when did you start to feel like grit and glitter, kind of? found its, its voice, so to speak, like you, obviously you and M have a really great working relationship and, and are, are hitting all cylinders there. When do you feel like the show is starting to meet that similar level?
1: It was definitely when our team started to come together. So when we started, it was me and M co-hosting every week, but we knew that we wanted to have a team of correspondents who would come on and join us occasionally. We actually started this on Talking Honor, the idea of having a team of correspondents. And it was straight up me stealing the idea from The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. I just thought it was really funny how they had like Samantha Bee and they had Lewis Black and other people in different roles. And they would come on and they would have like a different subheading or different, you know, a different title each time they came on. And so we started that with Talking Honor and I knew we wanted to carry that over to Grid and Glitter. And so we'd have people on, it'd be like, okay, this person's gonna come on they're gonna be our our impact correspondent. And they watch impact every single week and all the pay-per-views. We don't watch it all that often. We check in in here and there. So they'll be our expert. They'll come in on for the pay-per-views and they'll talk about impact with us. This person will come on, they'll be our Joshi expert and they'll educate us about that and also plug in on things there. And when Gridden Glitter started, we had a couple of people here and there, we had Andy and Charlotte, we had Emily Pratt, we had a few people who'd come on here and there, but during the pandemic, like once COVID really hit in the early 2020 is when the team really started to take on more shape because there was less wrestling to talk about as well. Remember during like that, the spring of 2020, the summer of 2020, there was very little independent wrestling. A lot of things were shut down. We had less stuff that we could talk about. So we leaned on our team even more to be like, what, what are we going to do for the episode this week? There's, not, there's no new wrestling to watch. What are we going to talk about this week? And that's when people like Valerie Quartz and others really became integral to the team. And uh, the glitterati really came to be a force. And since then, we went from having like a couple of guest stars who would come on here and there to being like a team, a strong team of eight people and, who help us decide the future of the show, who help us plan out what are we gonna do on upcoming episodes? And once we got to the point where we had episodes that M and I weren't on, I was like, we found something here. Like I can take this week off and the show will be okay. <laughs> we can trust these other people to do the interview and to do this, this talk segment without us being involved at all. And things are still gonna run smoothly because we found this diverse voice, this diverse team of people who, like, are all passionate about this, all passionate and smart and, like, funny and fun to listen to.
0: And I can imagine, like, having such a a diverse group of people to pull from when putting shows together, like, definitely widens the perspective, not just from, like, what you're talking about or what you're covering, but also, like, in terms of, like, a cultural lens that you can put on different things, like, talking about, like, stuff from the perspective of, you know different genders different sexual orientations different um you know even down across like racial lines as well at times like you can open up larger conversations about just like how good was the impact show or how good was the ring of honor show versus you know really kind of drilling down on a lot of interesting topics that pro wrestling coverage doesn't really get give the time or um or chance really to, to delve deep on.
1: Our, our team has, has shifted and changed over the past couple of years. You know, we've had some people who were members in the past and they stepped down because they either weren't feeling wrestling at the moment. They just wanted a, a break from wrestling in general or other life, other responsibilities get in the way. and So they stepped down and we find other people to come on, but. The past year, year and a half, even through some roster changes, like our team has become overwhelmingly queer, non-binary, we have uh, asexual representation, we've got all sorts of people from different states, people from, I think I'm the only person, I'm the only person from Canada, most of the rest of the team is American, but people from all over, people who really love these independent promotions, people who do watch WWE still, things like that, and it's funny because it's like, we never set out with that as our goal. We never said like, we really want our, t- we really want a really queer team. That wasn't, that wasn't like the, the mission statement when we started Grin and Glitter, it just kind of happened that way through chance, either because that's just the, the friends that we attract or because that's the circles that we, that we travel in, I guess.
0: I mean, as pro wrestling has really started to open its doors a lot more or have those doors kind of bashed down by some people in terms of, you know, really accepting queer representation within it over the last number of years. like It doesn't necessarily surprise me that a show that wants to take a different focus on pro wrestling would attract people who also might have a different focus on pro wrestling but didn't necessarily apply it because it's not something that historically pro-wrestling has really given them the chance to do. So like in that way, it, it sort of kind of makes sense that that your team would kind of come together to represent viewpoints on pro-wrestling that haven't really been represented in the wrestling media scope for a long time, if ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, M wasn't a wrestling fan for most of her teens, or like she she was a wrestling fan for a year or two, I think, in her teenage years, but then fell out of it because, like, it wasn't a friendly atmosphere for a young woman. <laughs> like wrestling in the 90s, especially with all of the brawn panties matches and the suckets and everything else, like, not, not a great atmosphere for that sort of thing. So, if our show can provide that sort of clubhouse feel for other people who feel like, well, you know, I don't want to listen to a bunch of like middle-aged straight dudes talking about wrestling. I don't want to listen to Bully Ray and Matt Hardy talk about pro wrestling or whatever. Like I can listen to people with a different viewpoint on this sort of thing. And especially because we never talk about Roman Reigns or about even, you know, we love Hayman Page and John Locks. We don't talk about them either. We focus specifically on wrestlers marginalized genders and people of marginalized genders in different wrestling fields as well, trying to find those people who aren't getting talked about on the big stages, who aren't being featured on the big podcast. What can we do to elevate them? And also just because, like, it's just exciting for us. Like, we would much rather talk about Billy Stark's match than we would... Lacey Evans or whomever is wrestling on SmackDown this week.
0: So talk to me a bit about the decision to to take the show independent. Because like obviously you you and M have been working with the torch for a while with talking honor and grit and glitter for a while, but then the the announcement came that that y'all were leaving the torch, the show was leaving the torch, and um and y'all were going independent. Like what factored into that decision for y'all?
1: Yeah, that was that was a bit of an internal internal discussion between us. Um, one of us was really really thought that we should go off on our own and do our own thing, and that we would survive. One of us was more afraid that um, that we'd be losing the platform, that we wouldn't. It would be a struggle for us on our own. I didn't I I didn't know if uh, if we would make it on our own, having our own our being completely independent on our own. But the main thing, like I said, the torch had like no ground rules for us, no restrictions of any kind. We could do whatever we want. We could curse, we could talk about anything we wanted. Uh, they were really supportive in that sense. But they, but then at the same time, they were also completely hands-off in every sense where they, you know, they didn't really promote us very much. We were on the website, but they they weren't promoting us. We weren't being invited to guest on like the, the big shows on the website, um, we didn't know how much they were really providing us in terms of like support or sponsorship, but they were putting a decent amount of advertisements on each episode to the extent where we had some listeners tell us that it was almost unlistenable, having to listen to like a three-minute ad break constantly throughout our episodes. So that was the main selling point for us, honestly, right there, was if we go independent, we can make sure there's no ads. We can post it whenever we want. That was the other thing is they had us on like a Tuesday, like your episodes will go up on Tuesday, but some weeks it'd be 8 a.m. Some weeks it'd be 9 p.m. Some weeks it'd go up on like Wednesday morning instead. There wasn't that consistency. Since we've gone independent, it's like every Tuesday, 6 a.m. Eastern, the episode will drop. You can count on that because I'm very punctual early. Or- obsessive about that sort of thing. So those are the two main reasons right there. We're like, we have no ads. We can control when it goes up. We can do bonus episodes if we want one week. We can do two episodes instead. We can do whatever, just that freedom of having like complete say over, over our future. That was really it though, because otherwise they were totally supportive and they never, like, they never restricted us or anything. If we wanted to do it a week where we weren't even talking about rest, like during the COVID era, We did a couple of weeks where we didn't talk about wrestling. We just talked about what was going on in our lives because it was such a hard time for everybody. And again, they were very supportive of all that. They never like complained, Hey, talk, talk more about wrestling. Hey, make sure you do some raw discussion soon. I
0: mean, that's, that's good to hear that that they were as supportive as they were, but like, you know, I can definitely see taking things and putting it in on your own plate, so to speak like being something that would be even more freeing than what you were already like trying to do. It it feels like a lot of like your desire to like work in the space really boils down to like having the freedom to do what you want to do in a lot of instances and and cover wrestling the way that you and and M and the the greater team there with, with Grit and Glitter want to cover it.
1: Like we don't not, we don't get paid for this, you know. We don't have sponsors, we don't have ads. We have a Patreon, which makes, you know, X amount per month. Some of that goes towards covering the, the podcast hosting fees. And then the rest of that just goes back into independent wrestling. Honestly, like we take whatever's left over and we use it to sponsor independent events. We sponsor Wrestlers Lab, we sponsor Enjoy Wrestling, PW Vibe, different promotions like that. Like M and I think I don't sponsor
0: on Cascadia. So <laughs>
1: I believe so. Like we don't em and I don't make a cent from it from this. Neither do our any of the people on our team. We just do this because like we love it and it's like a fun, a fun hobby. That's all it boils down to. So if we're not making any money from this, if we're not like answering to anybody, we sure as hell better be having fun. We better be able to just like do what we want, talk about what we want. And when it stops being fun, we'll probably stop doing it. But it hasn't stopped being fun yet because we keep connecting with like new people and building communities and finding other people outside of our team, connecting with people like you and with like other quote unquote content creators and just being part of this community that I, that that's what it comes down to now. Right. Because I circle back to what I've saying before, which was I spent all of my teens, my twenties being obsessed with wrestling and having nobody to talk about it with. And now I have. Like, and and now I have like friends, like real. Sorry. (laughs) Now I have like a a community, which I needed so badly for so long. I had in my twenties, I had a community through my local music scene. I ran a grassroots, all ages, uh, events group. We put on concerts and craft fairs and public games, things like that, for years. And I had that community in real life, in real space in my suburban city. And then after a couple of years that fell apart because people moved away and bands broke up and whatever. And then for many years, I didn't have anything. It was just like me alone, reading my, my comics, writing my zines, wishing I had friends. <laughs> so getting to this point now it's like, I have friends and I feel like I'm part of a community. I'm, are we the most listened to? Wrestling podcast? No, not by any means. I am no Sean Ross Sapp. <laughs> M is no Dave Meltzer. We don't have that kind of following, but we have a couple. We have, we don't know how many, we don't even look into that, but we have like, we have people that who like us, who listen to our show, We have people who vote in our awards, people who like want to come on our podcast. We've gone to connect with these people. Like I've got to befriend these wrestlers that we love so much and do Little things that we can to elevate their careers. If anything that we've done from our podcast has helped make Edith Surreal, like a slightly bigger name or the runway, or you know, if if anything we did, like if having Roxy on our show one time, it was a, a little tiny, 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 tiny factor that helped her get a little bit bigger, that helped her sign with NXT and become champion. Amazing. Look at what we've done, like I that we've found this community
0: i mean that's pretty powerful stuff there i feel like community is always something that that we want to seek out more if we do finally like have it and is consistent in that way like yeah like i don't know i can just seeing like you know obviously listeners can't see the the video feed here but like you can just see like the emotion on your face when talking about that like that's that's what this is all about. Like it's about creating communities where people can feel empowered. It's about creating spaces for people to feel comfortable to be themselves and to talk about the things that they love. And I, I mean, I'm just sitting here in this hotel room talking to you like that is uh, um, an amazing thing to to have. And and I'm very glad that you found that through through this wild journey.
1: That's the thing'm I'm, I'm up in Canada. I'm in Ontario, you're out in Oregon. M's in Pennsylvania. We've had people on the show from England. We've had like we've we cover wrestling from Japan. Like this is it's crazy that we can do this, that, that we've been able to make friends with these people. I only met M in person for the first time a month ago, after recording together every week for four and a half years. And it's like, even though we had never met in person before then, I still think, thought of her as like one of my closest friends because through the magic of the internet, through the magic of all of, all of this sort of thing. It's just, it's, it's so cool. And I didn't have that from, I've had many hobbies in my life. Like I, I published zines for many years. I ran my own independent record label. I wrote novel, children's novels, but they are all insular, solitary hobbies. I'm at home by myself writing. I'm at home by myself assembling cassette tapes and mailing them out to people. So even though I never felt like I had the voice or the presence to be a radio host, <laughs> the fact that I stumbled into it by chance turned out to be like, life-changing because now I have friends and I have people that like I can talk about this thing that I love with and I can make more friendships and build something that will just continue to grow and spread love and friendship and happiness. Hopefully, in some small way.
0: I mean, it definitely, it definitely does. Like when I, when I talk to other people that that listen to the show, or just anybody that's associated with the show, like that's that is a, a vibe that I get. That same vibe of community. That same vibe of like, you know, passion about what you're talking about. And sneaking on that that kind of topic of community as we start to wind down here a little bit, um, I did want to ask you, like, there's a, you know, there's a reason why you're on the show. Like, not only just because, like, you do great work with Grit and Glitter, but also because, like, and and you can tell me how, how recent of a development this is for yourself, but, you know, I saw that you recently posted uh, gender-diverse pronouns for yourself and, um, you know, that's obviously a it's so small, but it's also a huge like step for for people on that kind of journey for yourself. Like what kind of has 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 anything really like influenced this this idea of um of your own like gender identity for yourself in a way, or is this something that's been, um kind of part of you for for a while like
1: it's hard to say because like it's one of those things where i wouldn't have had the the language three years ago four years ago honestly like when we started grin and glitter we branded as a women's wrestling podcast because the term non-binary i hadn't heard that often before I wasn't out there I wasn't hearing that I think the first time we had like one non-binary wrestler across our radar we're like oh that's cool hey, hey there's something and then every year you start to hear more and more names coming out so I you know I'm a I don't know like my whole life I've, I've been like oh yeah I'm a cis male I guess right like that's the that's the language that I have I do I I don't, I'm not like the stereotypical like, man that you see in, in TV commercials and ads. You know, I don't, like, I don't check off those boxes that all the men love beer and men love sports and men love I'm, that's not me. I'm, so what does that mean? I don't know. I guess I'm just, yeah, I, I'm obviously still working through it because like, I'm stammering here. I don't really know how to answer that question. yeah I'm still I'm still working it out I at the end of the day like I I think of myself as a man like it feels okay I guess I don't that's the thing right like if I I feel like if I say something otherwise then I'm a fraud but I don't I don't know like in my head I I tell myself people who are trans people who identify as non-binary they know like I, I tell myself like, oh, they're like 100% rock solid. They know that they're this label, that that that's what defines them. And I don't feel that strongly.
0: Well, and I mean, I guess like that's where like terms and 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 labels can kind of like do a disservice at times because like, you know, I, similar to you, like I did not have, like the knowledge of just the language about this sort of stuff until like around 2015 and like that's that does a lot of heavy lifting whenever you do finally like have this language and kind of internalize it and think about it for yourself but even then like i personally view like gender definition as like much obviously is much more of of a spectrum but it's also a very fluid thing that is up for ourselves personally to identify for us in, in that way so like whatever you do like look at like well am i non binary am i trans am i gender fluid am i am i something like that like it it kind of creates a box that you feel like you have to fit into when in actuality like um this is something that i picked up from, from my my spouse um like whenever i was like kind of coming to my own decisions about, about my gender identity is like looking at non-binary is just a catch all, like looking at non-binary is like a, like a header and then everything else kind of falling underneath it and not getting so tripped up on, on that in in a way. And I'm not like sitting there trying to like, like coach you into something, or something like that, but just like, you know, like these, these things are, are like very intense thoughts and, and that that don't just go away and they like sit there. It's like, well, how do I see myself? How do I define myself in that way? You know, and, and it is also, like I said, it's fluid as well. They like just, for an example, Shea McCoy, you know, for the longest time used they, them. And then recently last year, I believe like, you know, just said like, no, i rather use she. Like, it's all about figuring out where you are and it doesn't have to necessarily be like the same over an extended amount of time.
1: Yeah, I think I still have ingrained in me this idea of like, oh, it's, it's X, Y, or sorry, you gotta say Z, X, Y, or Z in my head. I still think of it as like, well, I'm either this or I'm either that. And it's like, no, because it's not, it's not one or two, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10. It's like, am I one? No. Am I 10? I, maybe not. Am I four? Sure. Okay, maybe I'm a four, maybe I'm a, a three. What does that mean? What, what's the, what's the term for that? I don't know. So I'm still, yeah, I guess I'm still working through that for sure. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: I well, sound, I, I sound <laughs>
1: incoherent here. I realize I apologize.
0: No, you're totally fine. Like I was going to say, like working through it is a perfectly fine place to be, you know, that that's a perfectly fine place to be with these things. And I, I say that as like a you know a statement of comfort for you, but also just for anybody else listening going through this stuff the these things as well, because you know, it can be just haunting. Like just figuring out a way to like view yourself in and of itself could be a, a thing that a lot of people don't necessarily Want to face so like in that way like being comfortable with not knowing everything in the moment is always a, a good thing to just continue to understand that it is perfectly fine and to have people affirm that for for you.
1: I will say I'm always a late adapter. I was the last person in my friend circle to get Facebook. I was the last person to like get like an iPhone. I'm always whenever something new comes along, I'm skeptical. And I'm like, oh, it's just a trend, and it'll be gone in a couple of years. About anything. So, yeah, there is that. I think there is that voice in the back of my head being like, oh, you can't call yourself non-binary. You can't use like they, them. Who the fuck are you to, to do that? Like, you're not really non-binary. You're not really whatever. Like, you doing that is just like posing, or it's just like co-opting. It's taken away from like the real people who are actually non-binary and it's like not fair to them it's like it's like appropriation and you and you can't do that you can be you can be like a a friend of the community you can be a quote-unquote ally but like you can't like you can't call yourself that because like you're not really that and maybe that maybe that's maybe that's true maybe that's not true i don't i, I don't know is there a, is there a buzzfeed quiz i can take
0: i mean if i knew that <laughs> i would have probably figured out myself out maybe a little bit earlier i don't know but regardless also i don't know how much i would trust a buzzfeed quiz to tell me about myself to be frank
1: i choose i choose my Regar- favorite color and my favorite food and then which fictional character i am and then you just tell me you just tell me where i am on the spectrum boom easy
0: god i wish it was that easy no regardless though um you know i I am very obviously happy to, to welcome you onto the show, considering that, we, you know, we are so focused on that community, um, and I really hope that, that you, not necessarily, I don't want to say that I hope that you continue, but like, I hope that you um, really, what's the right word I'm looking for here? I hope that that this journey for you to kind of figure out, like exactly, like you know, who you are and how you like place yourself along that spectrum is is a positive one for yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd like to just, I'd like to just have the confidence to <laughs> to to figure out where I am and uh, and and stick to it instead of worrying that if I call myself this or that, then other people are going to judge me or think i think i'm a fraud because like, i think that's where i'm still stuck i think i'm still stuck in that freight that phase of um oh you're an imitator you're not you're not really
0: yeah well it's always a no judgment zone here with, with you harley this has been really fun to kind of sit down and, and chat with you about your journey in wrestling media and get to know you a little bit more especially because i there's a i feel like there's a lot of uh like bleed through whenever it comes to LGBT in the ring and grit and glitter listeners. So I'm, I'm sure that the the window into a little bit more about Harley R. Paget is greatly appreciated there too.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. We, we really think of, uh, of this show as being grit and glitter's sister show in that we, we, we cross over a lot, but we also talk about a lot of different things as well. So I think it's a perfect, it's a perfect pairing.
0: Exactly. I have the same thought process about grit and glitter in the show as well. Very, very close siblings that like to do their own thing.
1: We'll see you at Easter. And in the meantime, go do your own thing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Harley, this has been a lot of fun. Let everybody know where they can find you online and where they can uh, check out and support grit and glitter.
1: I'm on Twitter at your echo heart, and we are on Twitter at Grit Glitter Pod. We're on Instagram at Grit Glitter Pod, Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. All those sources, follow those places because one of our news resolutions was to hit a thousand followers on Twitter. So we could we could use the boost wherever people see fit, and. Yeah, new episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts, just search Grid and Glitter. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up in January and February, interviews with referees and commentators and coverage of different independent promotions. We'll be covering PW Vibes, Braumatica events, maybe a special Valentine's Day episode, all sorts of good stuff coming coming your way.
0: Well, I will be excited to check it out whenever it does drop in my podcast feed, and definitely everybody, if you're not following Grit Glitter uh, on Twitter, definitely go go do that. Uh, that is just a a thing that that you need to do from from my own desk to you, Harley. Again, thank you so much for for coming on the show. Thank you, Brian. My thanks once again to Harley for coming on the show and and you know being so open and and honest about you know their journey in wrestling media their other journeys uh here and all the work that that he and M do along with the glitterati do with grit and glitter to cover aspects of pro wrestling that don't get covered by other uh outlets out there, yeah. Well, that is going to do it for, for us this week. Um, before we go, real quick, shout out to, to Prize Style Pro Wrestling. Um, over the weekend, I got to go down to Vegas and check out one of their shows live for the first time. Amazing stuff. Uh, whenever and wherever uh, their Across My Heart event from this past weekend goes up online, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, it's just a whole lot of fun with a crazy main event with uh, Papayase and G sharp can't be missed. Um, that's going to do it for us this week though. Um, until next time, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And, um, just, just one more time, rest in peace to, um, jam and Pew, Jay Briscoe. Everybody Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the demons so a lover can live. But the moon
1: is high and the devil is stick It's the formula six
0: six six